What do we gain from our labors under the sun? That verse, which is the title of the message, is from Ecclesiastes, from which our Old Testament lesson today comes. And uh, here again, verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Someone on one of the many websites dedicated to complaining about work wrote this comparison between work and prison. In prison, you spend the majority of your time in an eight by 10 cell. At work, you spend most of your time in a six by eight cubicle. In prison, you get three meals a day for free. At work, you only get a break for one meal and you have to pay for it yourself. In prison, you get time off for good behavior. At work, you get rewarded for good behavior with more work. In prison, a guard locks and unlocks the doors for you. At work, you must carry around a security card and unlock open all doors yourself. In prison, you can watch TV and play games. At work, you get fired for watching TV and playing games. In prison, you get your own toilet. At work, you have to share. In prison, they allow your family and friends to visit. At work, you cannot even speak to your family and friends. In prison, all expenses are paid by taxpayers with no work at all. At work, you get to pay all the expenses to go to work, and then they deduct taxes from your salary to pay for the prisoners. In prison, you spend most of your life looking through the bars from the inside, wanting to get out. At work, you spend most of your time wanting to get out and go inside bars. Enough of that. (laughs) Both work and unhappiness with its results have been around since the time of Adam and Eve. The biblical figure to have written the most about it, though, and from a very modern perspective at that, is the preacher, the author of Ecclesiastes. He is a successful man by any measure of worldly achievement, and he knows how to enjoy the pleasures of this world. But like many people today, he's also restless. He's looking for deeper meaning and greater fulfillment in life. He's honest about himself, and he's honest and even a bit cynical about his world. He's not seduced by glitter and show without value, vanity, as he calls it. He looks at what he has done with his life, and he asks questions thoughtful people are asking still. What am I working for? What am I living for? The way he phrases it, what do we gain from our labors under the sun? I'm speaking of labors and work in the broadest sense. You might work in an office or factory. You might work in the home. 
You might be paid very well for your work or paid nothing at all. If you've had babies at home, you know that babies work incredibly hard to learn everything they do. If you are retired or you love someone who is retired, you know that they are still left with the hard work of living. Whatever your age or circumstance, work is our common lot in life. Ours because we were made in the image of God and God works and rests in the rhythms of the creation story. And that was talked about in the epistle lesson today from Hebrews as well, where it mentions entering into our eternal rest. But in the meanwhile, we will work so long as we have been put into the world to be its caretakers. This is so basic that the preacher's question can speak to every restless heart and hungry spirit. What do we gain from our labors under the sun? The world offers various bargains concerning work, and the preacher says that he tried them all. He started with the first and most familiar one. Work to buy the good life. Do your own thing because, after all, life is to enjoy. That's thinking as contemporary as the latest ad selling the American dream. And so the preacher jumped into the exhausting frenzy of working for the good life, and he found it satisfying, at least for a while. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them, and I found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. He became what we would call today a workaholic. He says, even at night, my mind did not rest. But he knew how to enjoy the good things that money could buy. We can surely understand such a person today, and we might also be glad that the preacher never lost his wisdom, even when he became fabulously wealthy. After all, our churches are full of people who treasure what they have earned, but they don't want to live just for the almighty dollar, so-called. They don't want to gain the world and lose their soul, remembering what Jesus said. They are like the preacher. Yes, the good life has its appeal, but a still, small, persistent voice speaks from within. You cannot live by bread alone. The preacher does not say that his work and its material rewards are evil, far from it, but they are vanities in the end which do not satisfy. They are like cotton candy, all taste and no substance. In the end, the preacher found he had asked too little from his world, and so got back too little from his life. Vanity, all is vanity, what do we gain from our labors under the sun? And then the preacher tried the other side of the worldly bargain. If you don't want to work just for your own selfish reward, work to leave your mark to make your own small contribution, make a difference in the world. Let the mother and father raise a good child. Let the receptionist spread a little cheer. Let the banker spread a little justice. Show your good works, 
and leave a legacy for others to follow. Now the preacher moves beyond selfish living and enters the larger realm of values and ideals. Having tried wealth, power, and pleasure and found them all to be empty, the preacher seeks his satisfaction in leaving great works behind for others. But that looks for trouble, doesn't it? You see, great works have to be left to others in a sinful world, and time has a way of wearing down the best laid plans. In the preacher's words, I have to leave my work to those who come after me, and who knows if they will be wise or idiots. Paraphrase slightly. This also is vanity. Alexander the Great conquered everything from Greece to India. He dreamed that his power would make peace over all the earth, and at the age of 33, it is said that he sat down and cried because there were no more worlds left to conquer. And yet within one generation after his death, Alexander's empire was gone. It was as if everything he had done had been in vain. Of course, the world also wears down the legacies of us ordinary people. Erskine White writes about a time when he worked with a friend pouring cement from a gantry crane. He was someone who wanted to make a difference, and one day he got an idea about how to waste a lot less cement on the job. We went to the foreman, and my friend presented his idea. But as soon as he was finished, the foreman said to him, you're not being paid to think. Get back there and do your job. And as I watched my friend's face, I could see him saying to himself, why do I even bother? What difference can I really make in this world? Maybe I should do what everyone else does. Just put in my time, look out for number one, and let it go at that. Maybe you've heard someone say, why should I keep beating my head against the wall when all my work is meaningless and I'm paid accordingly. If no one else cares about making this a better world, why should I care? Why shouldn't I just stop now and start worrying more about me again? We try to make a difference with our labors under the sun and then throw up our hands in resignation. But when we do that, we are back where we began. We are back to looking out for ourselves and our own, and we already know that that is vanity. It does not satisfy. It gives no happiness. And yet the text says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. You see, exchanging one vanity for another brings no satisfying answer to the preacher's question, what do we gain from our labors under the sun? When people work only for themselves, are unhappy in their work, it is because they have asked for too little from it. They have a view of life which begins and ends in this world. When they learn that the next raise or even a prosperous and happy home does not make life complete, 
They opened the door to that restlessness the ancient preacher knew. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What do we gain from our labors under the sun? When people who work to leave a mark for the good of others are unhappy with the fruits of their work, it is again because they have a view of life which begins and ends in this world. But this time they look only to the world and expect too much. They forget how creation is fallen and so they expect that good intentions and hard work alone will remake a sinful world. It ain't that way. If your Christian calling is to make a difference with your life, and if you are in it for the long haul, you will have to know this. Your job is to give your best to God's service. God's job is to save the world and he has done a very good job of it. Not only is God the workman who created it, but he is the savior who redeemed it. We speak about the person and work of Jesus Christ, and his work was to come here as our prophet, priest, and king, revealing God's will to us, dying for us, ruling over us. Apart from God, the preacher says, no one can have enjoyment in work. God always has to be taken into account. Dust returns to dust, collects under my bed. As riches rot and great works fade and mighty empires fall, we have to remember to ourselves that it is eternal things that abide. And finally, the eternal things are what God has done for us and the people that God has called to be with him and with us, one another. If you want to see something eternal in this world, don't look at the, world, the walls of this church. Look at the person next to you. They'll be there forever, one way or another. And so God calls us to work, to love him, and then to love our neighbor, especially those that he has called as ourselves. God's work in each and every one of us and in this world lasts forever. So only what is done for him by us and in us will endure with us. The usefulness of work is not merely to put food on the table, but to put the character of Christ in us. We serve as he served because through him, we can love as he loved. His work was to serve, not be served, he tells us in Mark. And it is our work too, if we are in him. The faithful heart knows that in all our life's work, we should neither ask too little nor expect too much, but trusting always in God, make him the beginning and the end of all we do and let him be sufficient to all our needs. He is the one who indeed does all things well. He saw the creation he had made was good. He was pleased with his only son who redeemed us. He has crafted us through the spirit to serve in joy, able to experience what the author of our text knew. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink 
and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. Life and work without God is empty, a striving after wind. But with God, we live in fullness and in grace. We see the world as it is, and we look beyond the world to the life of the world to come for meaning in this world. We know a joy which is complete because our minds are set not on vanity, on empty things, not vanity, but eternity. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. This time we worship our Savior with our tithes and offerings. Good morning, everybody. You guys can have a seat. Nice crowd today, guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, Let's see. Helper? Helper, anybody? Thank you very much. You know what I did today? I read the lessons, and I am going to talk to you from the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's just a beautiful name. I believe it means teacher, and I was looking at that lesson, and it has a lot to do with money. Now, every once in a while here, I bring my money bag to church, and I have various things in here I could share with you. What is this? $2 $2 bill. You guys ever seen a $2 bill? Yeah, they're not out there too much, but they're there. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, has more $2 bills. And, oh, okay. This here, what's this? $1 bill. Let's see. I'm going to check this young man's knowledge right here. What's different about this? This just looks like a dollar bill to you, huh? Me too, when I was a kid. You know why? This is a silver certificate. You used to be able to take this to the government, give them a bill like this, and they owed you a one silver coin that was worth a dollar. Not anymore. They had gold certificates too. They also don't have those. Got some silver dollars here, some of which are way over 100 years old. And what was really strange back then was the dollar coins were made of silver. Have silver in coins anymore? I don't think so. Maybe a little tiny bit. Even the copper pennies aren't made out of copper anymore. Oh, I got one more thing in here. 
This is, the Bible talks about a piece of silver. There's a piece of silver right there. Pretty cool, huh? Ten pure ounces of silver. That will be worth different tomorrow than it was on Friday when the markets closed. In your time, in your time, I'm pretty sure that stuff like this, money that you hold in your hand, is going to be in everybody's house in a box or a bag somewhere in a corner because this is on its way out. Right or wrong, we work with cards these days. We work on our phones, on our computers, and that's how things get paid for. That's how we get paid and things like this. This is on its way out. What's not on its way out is this world out there with a huge number of people, and their job is to take hold of your money and put it in their hands instead. And with a lot of people, it works. Ecclesiastic today talked about what we strive for in this life. With a lot of us, and even with me at one point in my life and with people I know, you work too hard for this because in the end, you didn't bring any of this into this world and you're not taking any of it out. It says, focus not on this, but focus on God. We are to be content. We have a roof over our heads. I do. I've got clothes on my back and I've got food in my stomach. Way too much of it, but it's there. Okay? It's okay. It's okay to make money. It's okay to be generous. It's okay to, to work hard and want to have things that make your life easier or work, you know, pass things down to your children. The Bible talked about that too. But don't lose sight of where you came from and where you're going. God wants you to be happy in this life. He's provided for us. He's allowed us to help others. And that's the way it should be. Will you guys pray with me? Dearest God, thank you so much for providing all our needs through our labors and through your generosity. Help us to focus now and forever on the final destination, which is heaven with you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.